in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 630 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are back here live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, Weight Watchers, they want you to know, we're sorry. Also, we got to talk about recycling because it's about to get easier, and we are live in Burley. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Ron, you've been reading a Michael Lewis book about what? Yeah, the, the new Michael Lewis book out now is called Going Infinite. You may have seen him on uh, 60 Minutes. It's about the trial, or the, the trial of Sam Bankman-Fried, so SBR. He's on trial right now as we speak, and this is the, the boyhood genius that ended up forming a company called FTX. And we, you probably saw all the commercials about a year ago in the Super Bowl. You had Tom Brady did a commercial, Matt Damon did a commercial, Larry David did a commercial for FTX, Steph Curry. Uh, they had sponsored the, uh, the arena where the Miami Heat play. You saw their name on a patch on every Major League Baseball umpire uh, and referee all had FTX patches on. And so this was looking like... Uh, at the time, all the analysts were saying, this kid, Sam Bakeman fried or they call him SBF uh, online, he could be the first trillionaire uh, ever for one human being. And he had this crypto trading company, and he was this mathematical genius. And so now he's on trial because everything fell apart and unwound. Then there was about an $8 billion shortfall in, in, in for customer deposits. And so he was arrested in the Bahamas, extradited to the United States. His company was in Hong Kong and the Bahamas. And this book is absolutely bonkers. Because the thing that drove some of this is that Sam Bankman Freed uh, in high school and then going into college adopted this philosophy called effective altruism. And so the theory was this. If you, that, that, that people in the West, this was a philosophical theory that someone else came up with. They said, we're so comfortable in the West. Really what we should do, if you wanted to optimize your life, you would give away as much money as you humanly possible uh, and live very, very simply so then you could alleviate suffering and save lives around the world. So this effective altruism movement really took hold among a certain type of analytical person. And so then it morphed into a thing of like, what would be more beneficial? If you became a doctor, if Don O'Neill became a doctor, you could go to Africa if you're an effective altruist. You Dr. Don. You could be Dr. Don. You could I go to it. Africa. Yeah. You might save, and they calculated this. Let's say you're very busy. You might save 4,000 lives. I might change my last name to Dazzle, Dr. Don Dazzle. Now, let's say you're also very gifted in math. Charlie. Well, instead of becoming Dr. Don uh, going to Africa to save lives, what if Dr. Don went and worked for Goldman Sachs and made $400 million and then you hired 400 Dr. Dons. 
And so now you're living the same lifestyle, but you're, you have earned more money. And so therefore you can do more good because you're still going to give everything away. Hmm. So Sam Beckman feed, uh, subscribe to that philosophy. And for the, the people that don't know him, he, he's a young kid. He's probably 30 now. Yeah. His parents are absolutely brilliant. Stanford professors. He's somewhere probably on the spectrum. And he, he definitely is. Yeah. And he was recently arrested for what? For the $8.5 billion shortfall. Yeah. So the, the crime here, if people are interested in that, and, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds, the crime was he was trying to get a crypto exchange to be valid in the United States. Mm-hmm. United States couldn't decide if this was a security and it should be regulated by the SEC or if it was a commodity and it should be regulated in, from the commodities uh, oversight. And the IRS was going, how do we get taxes on this? And so the United States was not allowing people to, to uh, invest in crypto easily. And so what would have to happen is you'd have to take your United States dollars and somehow get them into the crypto world, right? Like if you wanted to buy Bitcoin, how do you do it? And so Sam Bankman Fried was like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up this crypto exchange called FTX, but I'm going to have, I can't get a bank account in the United States for FTX, like there's not a bank that will allow this kind of money that we're doing worldwide to go into that U.S. bank. And account. this is also when you had a lot of the Tom Brady's and the Matt Damon's. Yeah, saying, all hey, of them. He cri- paid Tom Brady fifty nine million dollars. Wow. For twenty hours and and twenty social posts and some autographs. Or something and and, like and that. in fact, when Tom Brady needed to get a football back, he made a big deal out of it that that he paid the guy in crypto that he gave him right. He gave him a crypto coin, and then we saw Matt Damon on TV telling everybody that the that the future is crypto. So he did a very good job. Oh, he spent hundreds, a lot of star, hundreds of millions of dollars. A lot of stars out there got. So the crime show. was he had he opened a company in California called Alameda Research. And so when customers would deposit their money, right? So you wanted to, Don, Dr. Don wants to buy a, a Bitcoin. Dr. Don Dazzle. Yeah. You would take your money and you would deposit it. You would think you're putting it on the FTX exchange. Mm-hmm. But really, technically, that money went into Alameda, into their bank account, Alameda Research. Alameda would issue a cryptocurrency to your account from itself, Yep. Over to FTX. And now you could buy a Bitcoin. Mm. And so for from the customer experience until it crashed, it worked fine. Yeah. You put your money in, you bought a Bitcoin. If the Bitcoin went up, you sold it, you took your money out. And all of this happened behind the scenes. So when it crashed, customers wanted their money out. And so they there was a run on FTX. They ran out of money, and it turned out that there was an $8.5 billion shortfall inside of Alameda Research. And so that's why they got arrested. However, the farther the story goes along, and it's going to be interesting to see what happened, Sam had purchased so many different things. And, and Michael Lewis calls it Sam's world. He had purchased so many different things, so many different uh, tokens, so many different companies, so many. He he was buying up everything in the crypto universe that he could get his hands on because he didn't care about money hmm. because he was going to give it all away anyways. Yeah. And so to him, he had this action where it's like, if I need to make a million dollar decision, I will spend five seconds on that. If I need to make a hundred million dollar decision, I will spend five minutes on that. And if I need to make a billion dollar decision, I will spend 15 minutes on it. 
And that's, and he's not joking. Hmm. He was super busy. So, um, anyways, what Michael Lewis is, is discovering, and this is how the book ends, is the guy that was put in charge of the bankruptcy over FTX, who knew nothing about crypto, nothing about, he, he just wanted, he comes from the old law enforcement days of like, you're a, you're a good guy, you're a bad guy, you're a crook. Hmm. And so he's viewing everybody as good guy, bad guy, crook. And he's like, Sam Bankman's neither of these. Hmm. And so what they're, what Michael Lewis is teasing at the end of his book, is that yes, there was an $8.5 billion shortfall. And yes, they did a, tr- a tremendous amount of stupid things, but they keep uncovering Easter eggs. For instance, there was uh, a crypto exchange that Sam bought and didn't tell anybody about it. an entire exchange in Asia. Mm. And so as this regulator is following around, he sees a piece of paper somewhere, calls them and he's like, Oh yeah, we have $300 million in your account. And he's like, well, why didn't you tell me? I don't know. You didn't ask. So he's finding 300 million here, 250 million there, 700 million there. There's an investment that he uncovered that is worth somewhere between 700 million and $1.5 billion, depending on how you sold it. And so he's finding in, in, he, it's blowing his mind because yeah. he's like, this is the worst accounting I've ever seen. There was no, <laughs> there was no accounting. And, and Sam wow. didn't write any of this down. Yeah. He was just, everything was in his head. He could carry all this stuff in his head at all times. And so the money might be there, yeah. just not in the proper account. Mm. And so his defense could be, and we'll see, because right now up on the stand as we're doing this podcast is Caroline Ellison, who was his girlfriend and also ran Alameda. Mm. She also knew about this secret tunnel between Alameda Research and FTX. Mm. So she's on the stand now and she's been crying and talking about how they had all these memos on how often they would have sex and whether or not they should tell the other people that they lived with in the penthouse yeah. that they were actually sleeping together or not. And then Sam would respond in a, in a memorandum bullet pointed uh, about the, the pros and cons. It was, it's bizarre. And so there might be at the end of this rainbow, they might uncover the $8.5 yeah. billion. And then, does the United States have a crime there? Mm. His company was in, registered in Hong Kong, did business in the Bahamas. The Bahama Bahamian financial minister literally set up the rules. He met with the prime minister of the Bahamas mm. to buy that land and to get his business set up. So, and they had an entity in the United States, but it was like a one one thousandth of the entire empire. So can they send him to jail on that? Maybe. But if he comes up with the money, if the bankruptcy guy recovers the money and can make all the the depositors whole, I wonder if they're still going to yeah. crucify this guy. Does he, does he remind you of Elon Musk a little bit? I mean, you, no, you, uh, he doesn't. No, he, they, they, they spar. He, I, Elon don't called they, don't FTI. They, don't they both seem to be on the spectrum? They though? are, but and they're like very, Elon, very different. Elon Musk also, it seems like he doesn't care about money. He cares about legacy. Yeah, you're right. You're, in that way, you're right. In that yeah. way, you're right. But they're different in the sense that Elon called SBF when he was buying Twitter and Sam, and, and here's like another thing. Sam Bankman-Fried happened to have a hundred million dollars in Twitter stock that he forgot about. 
<laughs> and then he like looked and was like, oh yeah, I already own a hundred mil, a hundred million dollars. Wow. And, and Michael Lewis is like, dude, this is not an act. Yeah. He's not pretending that he forgot about the hundred million dollars of Twitter stock. Mm. He didn't remember. Wow. That he had purchased $100 million worth of Twitter stock. And so then, and remember I told you a couple of podcasts ago, he had met with Mitch McConnell to see if it was legal to pay Donald Trump $5 billion to not run for president. Wow. And they were still trying to figure out the legalities of that mm. um, when, when the thing collapsed. But this will give you an idea, I think, the difference between Elon Musk and, and uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. When he went, and Michael Lewis was on this trip. He had to go to Washington to meet Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell's people told him he had to wear a suit. Someone gave Sam, got his size, gave him a suit. Michael Lewis says they get into the car, and he had rolled up the suit. Had Didn't have a duffel bag, didn't have a suitcase, didn't have a carry-on. He had rolled the suit into a ball and put it under his arm like a football. It all wrinkled up. Because he knew he had to wear a suit to go see Mitch. And so Michael Lewis says, do you have a belt? And he's like, no. He's like, what about shoes and black socks? He's like, nobody told me about shoes. Hmm. So he had no shoes. No shirt, no problem? No socks. He's Kenny Chesney in the tech world. No belt. Yeah. And, and then they, they also talked about when he testified in front of Congress about Bitcoin and they told him he had to wear a suit with shoes. He didn't realize, no one told him he had to untie the shoelaces and tie them back up. So they're still in the little plastic thing that sticks off to the side of the laces. Someone zoomed in on his shoes. He didn't, someone just said, put the shoes on. Yeah. He didn't, he doesn't know that you have to take the plastic off and actually lace up the, the loafers. That's just how his mind works. Mm. He would wear, he went to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady and all those people. He didn't bring a change of clothes. He yeah. flew from the Bahamas to Miami on a private jet, had stayed for three days, no change of clothes, no change of underwear, didn't bring a toothbrush. Ooh. He's partying with the Kardashians. Uh, he's hanging out with Tom Brady with on dirty the field. underwear. You're partying with the Kardashians. Yeah. Cause no one told him. Yeah. No one told him that he would need to change his clothes for three days. Wow. So you'd, you'd think you'd figure out you have to change your underwear. Dude, it's a fascinating book. <laughs> it's called Going Infinite. Yeah. And the, the title comes from when Michael Lewis asked him why the, uh, where the $8.5 billion went. He was like, I didn't worry about $8.5 billion. In my mind, Alameda had infinite dollars. No. Because he knew he was worth at least $100 billion. So yeah. what's uh, 8.5 is like no big deal. $8.5 billion. Yeah. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. And guess what? It's the summer driving season, so that probably means that you want to take your boat somewhere. Yeah, or maybe you want to take your travel trailer, your Jayco, the little pop-up, whatever it is. A lot of times when they're driving, we think of things on four wheels, but not the other thing on two, four, eight wheels. And that could be your travel trailer or your boat trailer or your ATV trailer. Guess what? Les Schwab has you covered this summer. Yeah, we told you about the free pre-trip safety check. Take your boat trailer in there. There's nothing worse than getting a flat or problem with with the boat on the back. We had a boat fly off a trailer when I was a kid. It was a disaster. So go to Les Schwab right now. Set that up. You can schedule your appointment in advance at LesSchwab.com or stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. 
Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, Hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico. And we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho. We're taking him back home. And that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is the gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, it's the summer months. You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do, sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I think this this story is very interesting. When you think about Oprah, who has been a, a spokesman, and also she owns part of Weight Watchers, right? She's an investor in that. And the reason why she joined Weight Watchers, I think, was to lose some weight and then to also turn the company around. What's Now, fast forward to now, and it seems that uh, Weight Watchers has decided uh, that they are sorry about shaming fat people and telling fat people that these are the things you need to do in order to get skinny. I remember my grandmother who used to go to Weight Watchers and she called it the fat farm. If you said, Grandma, where are you going? She says, I'm going to the fat farm. The first thing that you do when you go to the fat farm, and she was horrified by this, is in front of everyone, you have to get on a scale and they keep a scoreboard. And if you get on the scale and you have gained more weight, you uh, you get shamed. And if you get on the scale and you have lost weight as a result of that, uh, everybody cheers. Somebody that listens to this podcast, because I've said this before, has written me, uh, and this is before this new development, and, 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 and told me basically that I was a horrible person for talking about this. I don't think I am. I think Weight Watchers is a horrible organization, in my opinion, because now what we're finding out is that their business model has completely changed. And you know what you can do now when you go to Weight Watchers is they're going to have some doctors there and you're going to be assessed. And then what they're going to do is they're going to put you on a drug that they are investors now in themselves called Ozempic. So you, you you see this craze. In fact, if you look at Sharon Osbourne right now, she's been on Ozempic for quite some time. Uh, I saw her on a show the other day. She looked like a skeleton. She looked horrible. And she said, you know what? Probably I went a little too far with the Ozempic. Uh, supposedly, this drug uh, is very good for diabetes. People that have diabetes are having a hard time finding the drug. Uh, and as a result of that, though, you have, you have Weight Watchers that is assigning this to people not just for diabetes, but but for weight loss, because that's one of the side effects. What we're also finding now is you have to be on it for the rest of your life. There's other side effects that you're probably not going to enjoy. But Weight Watchers wants everyone to know uh, that they are sorry. So can I push back a little bit on you on this in this regard? I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think a lot of times we take a modern day our modern day beliefs and evolutions and we try to apply them to stuff in the past and it doesn't really work at the time when your grandmother, when your grandmother, let's go back. 
what, 25, 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago. At the time, the company was trying to, to help people, mostly women. No, the company was trying to make money. Go ahead. And they're trying to make money. Yeah, I mean, every company tries to make please. money. Not every company, no, no. There's, there's a lot of non-profit companies out there. Well, it's a for-profit company. Every for-profit Thank company you. is Thank trying you. to make money. And Oprah's trying to make money as well. Thank Oprah's you. trying to make money as well. Yeah, and and I don't, the model is broken, and so now they've shifted because well, nobody on. was going to Weight Watchers anymore. I, I don't believe I'm doing I can't Hang believe on, I'm this saying this. This is not a monologue. This. I thought it was a dialogue. I thought, I thought this was a talk show where, where we talked to one I another. can't believe I'm defending Weight Watchers, but I'm defending it in this regard, is at the time there was, because I remember this and I've, I've had weight issues my whole life. There was definitely uh, among psychologists and in the, in the practices at the time where they thought it, that weight was mostly willpower and calories in and calories out. That was what I was taught and probably your grandmother was taught. This is a willpower slash calorie issue. And so if you had control and you had accountability and you controlled the amount of calories in and calories out, then you would lose weight. Which period. for some people is true. That That is true for me. So if I want to lose weight, less calories, more exercise. So that, that model actually works for me. But what we're finding is it doesn't work for everyone because it really does come down to genetics. And so, so Weight Watchers tried to codify that into a business. Uh, how do we take this belief in this common, that, that's what everyone thought at the time. This is what the medical community would, you'd go to the doctor and they would tell you that. You know, I, I did many a doctor visit where you would weigh in and they'd be like, hey, willpower, control your calories. Doctors don't know crap. They, <laughs> they, they can go spend eight years on a medical degree and they spend two weeks studying nutrition. Correct. That's it. Doctors, but, but that, don't, doctors today still don't know, really so, know anything. But Weight Watchers was like, how do we turn this into a business? Well, accountability seems to help. Um, shame. Shame could help. Yeah. Um, um, meal portion sizes could help. Helping people with their food and giving them some sort of model to calculate where they're at from day in to day in. Hopefully they're going to meet some friends and counselors that can support them. Uh, this is how we're going to get success. So they monetize that, built it into it, and you have to build a system for the lowest common denominator. And so I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that I, I think there was a time when Weight Watchers wanted to make money, but they also wanted people to lose well, weight. I it was pe- good for them I when people, people lost weight. I think people with diabetes should be able to get this drug because it's for them. And then if the Kim Kardashians of the world want to get that drug as well, then I'm fine with that. Uh, and I also think that Oprah should come out and talk about it. You know, uh, I would love to hear from her because she's made a lot of money being a spokesperson for this particular company. She's still involved in the company is my understanding. And, and we haven't heard her talk about Weight Watchers saying, hey, you know what? That model didn't work. So we're changing and now we're going to do this. So I hear what you're saying. I just want everyone to know when it comes when it comes to shame. And I've been in the fitness industry for a long time. I don't shame people, and I never have. I just encourage them. Some of the biggest athletes I know are big. And if you don't believe that, go on a trail run sometime, like me. And I'll have people that are much bigger than me, or maybe they have a bigger belly than I do, and they'll blow right by me. So that's the truth. And 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 now thinking we should all take Ozempic and look like Sharon Osbourne, I think that's an issue and that's a problem too. Most people should not take Ozempic. Most people that maybe have some belly fat, and in and, and, and some ways, especially as you grow older, it's actually good for you. It's it, it's not a bad thing. So so I I think to see them pivot, I think they're pivoting 
For the financial reason, I don't think they're pivoting because they really care. So anyway, we will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a, a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down. And that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates. And then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan and we will cover the lender fees for you so that's the rate and replace program replace that rate very cool so that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that mitch at mitch.loans will replace that rate check him out right now online at mitch.loans that's mitch.loans oh you guys welcome back to run and talk show we were talking about recycling for a moment but something more exciting just happened uh we were on our little one minute break uh, we were talking about Will and Jada Smith and the fact that, because I had mentioned Sharon Osbourne, I said, Ron, have you seen Sharon Osbourne lately? She's sitting on a couch with Ozzy, and then his two kids were there, and she's taking Ozempic, and she looks very, very frail. And she said, you know what? I probably took too much Ozempic. So at least she was honest and had a conversation about it, which I think is very important. And, and, and then Ron asked, are they still together? And I said, I think it's a Will and Jada Smith uh, uh, kind of marriage where where they haven't lived together for years, uh, but they're still married. The reason I think they're married and, and they won't come out and say this, I don't think it's for spiritual reasons. Just do your taxes sometimes and do your taxes when, 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 when you're a couple and do your taxes when you're a single person. It is to their benefit to actually stay married. So, so that's why I think they're still married for financial reasons. I don't think it has anything to do with love or this love covenant that they made 25 years ago or whatever. Nonetheless, Ron over here had had what, what were you saying? I said I am I am officially uh, like as if anyone cares, but I will publicly say I'm officially done with the, the Smith family. <laughs> I'm not giving them any the more. Whole fan? What about Willow? Uh, Willow, maybe I might watch a video. I'm not giving them any more time. Okay. I'm not going to watch any films. I'm not. I try. I don't seek out any of the music. Wow. I'm not watching the Red Chair Diaries or whatever that show is. I think that when the the Oscar thing happened with Chris Rock, uh, I was completely shocked, as everyone else was. And then I I, I waited and was like, okay, I'm going to see how these people respond to this. And there was a bunch of people that were like, oh, Chris Rock should sue him. And folks were coming out, famous people were coming out online mm -hmm. and going, if that was me, my lawyers would be pressing charges right now and he should be arrested and all, all these things. And a lot of those... I, I agreed with, and I was like, wow, that, that is true. If Chris Rock wanted to do these things, he could, and he, yeah. I think he'd be justified in doing that. I think it was an assault, uh, and the criticism against the Academy, I thought, was justified. So then I'm like, okay, something something is happening, because Will started to do the Will Smith apology tour, and it started with an unsolicited social media post where, because he, he reached out to Chris Rock and Chris Rock didn't want to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And so, as you always say, just because you apologize doesn't mean the other person wants to hear it or wants to forgive you. That's right. So yeah. Chris Rock was like, dude, I don't want to take your apology. Like, yeah. no. So he does this really 
self-serving apology. And I'm like, what is up? And then boom, right after that, Apple had spent a, a, a shit ton of money on a big movie that Will Smith was in. I was like, I see. <laughs> Apple TV yeah. went to him and was like, dude, you have to apologize before we release this movie or no one's going to watch it. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I can do, I'll give him one more chance. And so I didn't watch the movie. It, I got all the ads served up to me. Like anytime I was online, yeah. I'm getting ads for emancipation or whatever the heck the movie was. Uh, if I'm watching Apple TV, it was popping up. If I'm online, it's popping up. When I was looking at podcast, I would get ads served to me all the time yeah. to watch this Will Smith. And I'm like, no, I'm not watching that. I'm not going to patronize that guy. So then an interview came up with Rick Rubin. I was like, all right, I'm give him one more chance. I'm doing one more chance here to see if this guy Rick, Rick, Rick Rubin Rick Rubin is talking to Will Smith. Will Smith. Okay. I was like, I'm going to give one more chance. That's it. To see if this guy will be real and be genuine and uh, not give me the Will Smith. How to who? That yeah, guy. Right. Read my book, Will. Like all the the stuff that he serves up all the time about. He he's created a. Uh, a mythology around himself hmm. that I think is 75% BS at this point. Hmm. And so he goes into this interview and he would not drop it. Would not drop it. Would not drop what? The Will Smith stuff. The Will Smith. Even with Rick Rubin. Rick Even Rubin with Rick Rubin. And Rick Rubin started the, the Rick- session off. He goes, he goes, you know what, Will? He goes, would you mind if we take, just to get in the proper mindset, he goes, let's take, and he did this with, with Coop Anderson too. He's like, can we take 30 seconds and just do a quick meditation? Yeah. He's like, I want to be present. That's cool. I want you to be present. And before we start this interview, and Wilson was like, oh, wow, okay, cool. So they went into it. Rick Rubin does like this little 30-second meditation, Hmm. maybe a minute, and he comes out and he's like, okay, cool. Like, I have a clear mind. I'm here. I'm present. All my devices are off. Let's go. <laughs> and Rick is so just Rick and like he's very authentic. He's very, very authentic, genuine. Very real. He's very down to earth. Yeah. And the contrast between oh, Rick, I can see that being just Rick in the moment, mm. really open minded, no agenda, and Will. I got about 15 minutes into it, and I'm like, screw this guy. Hmm. Screw this guy. Wow. He he's been given so many chances. To make this right, and in this forum, with the most non-judgmental guy on the planet, uh, with one of the biggest platforms on the planet, and you're laying this turd on me? Like, you want me to eat this turd sandwich? I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm done. And so, and J.D. Pinkett Smith is leaking these stories about, I was a hood. I was dealing drugs. It's like, enough. Enough. So I'm I'm I I'm not giving them free rent in my brain anymore. You don't like the fact that she said that Tupac was her one true love, and they both had alopecia. I'm not giving them rent in my mind. Anymore. Why would why would she why would she say that about Tupac now? Like if he didn't want people to know he had alopecia, why would she put that in her book? Exactly. Yeah. Why would you do that? Exactly. If if you. If, you, you, you would take that to your grave, you, even though I don't think alopecia is a big deal. Evidently, he did because he didn't want to talk about it. Well, I, I, I feel sad for them that for whatever reason, they've evolved into these two characters. It's extremely off-putting to me. I would rather have had Will Smith come out and say... If I saw Chris Rock again right now, I'd punch him in the face. Well, do you do you, do you and believe not go through these machinations yeah. of like it's like 
Dude, enough. I think they're the both. I think they're both making money on the book. He knew she was going to do this tour. He just wrote the Seattle Times, or, or not Seattle Times. I think the New York Times from a boat. He's out on a boat. He's a picture of a boat. Will Smith did. Yeah, and he's out on a yeah. boat, and and, and it's all and manufactured. I, I can't believe how courageous she is, and I can't. So so it it it. So now he he has had his reaction, but here we are talking about it on our podcast. So I, I'm, I'm but done I haven't it. mentioned the book worthy yet. Which is uh, out next week. I'm done. (laughs) Wrap it up, O'Neill. Hey, let me tell you what's up this week. 1090 Southeast Peabody Court is down in Burley, Washington. If you don't know where that is, uh, it's just think of Port Orchard and you're in Burley. Uh, We have a home for sale there right now. It's 3,200 square feet. It's four bedrooms. It's two and a half baths. And boy, sitting on five acres... If you've ever wanted to just kind of live out in the woods and at the same time be seven minutes from Costco and three minutes from the local restaurant, this is where you want to live. And the thing that I love is the last four months we've been working on this property uh, with our clients. And it used to be, uh, well, they're both in tech and they're raising their kids there. And then she started growing plants. And the next thing you know, it turned into a nursery. And they're like, we need more than five acres. So now they just went out and bought 20, uh, built a brand new home. They've turned that into a nursery as well. And so we've been able to turn this back into a homestead, which I believe was built in 2007. And Ron, I have to say, uh, this is one of my favorite properties that we've ever sold. Uh, and it is for sale right now. If you want to reach out to us, it's just under uh, $1.2 million. Just reach out to us. I think we have an offer. Just under $1.1 million. What's that? Just under 1.1. Yeah. It's 1098, I think, right? Yeah. So I was trying to get a hundred thousand dollars more so we could pad our pockets for the podcast here. What are you talking about? So anyway, if you'd like to see the property, there's a good chance though, because you were doing open house this weekend. Uh, what was the what what was the action like um, in a world now where interest rates are at seven point five, heading towards eight percent, and they say probably in twenty twenty four, we get halfway through twenty twenty four, we'll see those come back down. Maybe toward the end of twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, we'll be back down to six percent. Uh, everybody went through absolutely. I didn't hear a negative thing about the property. It's really great. My favorite thing about this transaction is we deal with people so many times, and I'm this way sometimes. That are, try to time the market and they're, they get obsessively worried about the timing of things. Yeah. And these clients are living their life. And they said, this is, we want to do this. It necessitates a move. We're able to do it. So we're going to do it. And I don't think they'll look back in 10 years when their kids are in high school and go, God, you know what? My biggest regret in life was that interest rates we're at a, at a different spot when we, you know, got this new house. Yeah. Uh, and, and they, I, I love people that look at things through that lens of like, you can only optimize things so much. Yeah. Like if we had a time machine, there's a lot of things I would do differently if I could go back and, and travel through time. But we don't have a time machine. Yeah, I, we, I, we, we, we make the decisions we make. At the time, to the best of our ability, sometimes we're wrong, sometimes yeah. we're right, but you can't time the market. So there's like, hey, we're living our life. We're yeah. living our best life, as yeah. the, the cliche goes now, and we're moving ahead. Yeah. And so we're selling this house. We're going to put it out there in the universe, and I think someone's going to respond to that energy, if you will, and, and, and we're going to get a good result here. And then, again, as they move on to the future, I, I don't think it will cross their mind of like, did we time that right? It's like, yeah. no, we timed it right because 
we're, we're moving forward. We're not reacting to life. We have a plan. We're executing our plan. And you know what? If we end up, if that costs us a couple thousand dollars one way or the other, that's just the price yeah. of moving forward. I have to say, I'm being down at that property. If, if I didn't, if my son wasn't, wasn't 13, I would consider actually moving there because I'd love to live in a place like that where you're, you feel like you're out in the middle of the woods because you are, but at the same time, uh, there's a bay right there and then you, there's Port Orchard, there's Gig Harbor, there's the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And, and, and a lot of times you take pictures in real estate and then you show up and you're disappointed because maybe those pictures have been doctored a little bit. They're not supposed to be. We don't do that. A lot of agents do and they do Photoshop and you, you, you get there and you're disappointed. I get there and I even get, get more excited about the property. So anyway, if you like to see it, it could already be sold by the time that you hear this. Uh, cause a lot of people have been interested in this property. Go to my Facebook page, Don O'Neill, uh, and the property is on there. You'll see that. And you'll see me uh, talking about Burley. In fact, I did a little, uh, TV commercial for it. If you want to check it out. And he is Ron Upshaw. Dr. On- Don for Burley, Washington, yeah, everybody. There you go. And on our next podcast, I'm going to tell you about, uh, another listing that we have that's up in Bothell as well. And if you want to see that again, Don O'Neill, just follow me on Facebook and uh, check that out. If you're thinking about living or moving to Bothell and don't forget, what does the downtown sign say? Bothell for a day or a lifetime. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don show. Please like, and subscribe, give us a five-star review and also do what I did this week. Maybe jump out on your Facebook page and share it with somebody. And the cool thing about this podcast Yeah, I'm looking around right now. There's TV cameras everywhere and uh, Ron and Don TV. You're about to, you'll be able now to actually see the podcast and the real estate that we're talking about will actually be able to show you. Uh, And you'll also be able to see that Ron and I are not on Ozempic and we're not as fat as you think we are, right? Anyway, (laughs) thanks for listening to the show. Go to Ron Upshaw again on Instagram, Ron Upshaw on Facebook. I'm Don O'Neill and Don O'Neill 34. You can always reach out to us at ronanddon.com. And if you want to sit down with us, every real estate transaction, it starts with a 30-minute meetup and greet. And uh, we'll meet at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right? Until next time, head up, shoulders back. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.